Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Fire the Cannon. We're your Fire the Cannon crew. We read the books in the Western canon. We decide which ones belong, which ones don't. There are two hosts and one producer. Here are the hosts. One of them is me, Rachel. The other one is me, Jackie. And I'm Theo. I'm the producer. Executive producer. Yeah, nice. Okay, good catch. You guys almost <laughs> thought you could walk all over me there for a, a second. I'm the executive producer. Yeah. Yeah, for that brief second, I thought, I'm going to oppress the fuck out of him. Oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Thea, tell the audience what we're talking about today. I'm curious if you remember. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about the second half of The Metamorphosis by, by Franz Kafka. Oh, that's weird because I thought I thought you didn't know the title. I thought it was referred to as something else. Oh, crap. Uh-oh. Wait, say the thing you were going to say. I was going to say this is uh, an interesting fact about this story is it was the inspiration for the, uh, the Beetleborgs. The what? The big bad Beetleborgs. Who? Is that a Homestar Runner thing? Who are the Beetleborgs? You guys never saw Beetleborgs? <laughs> no. It was a Power Rangers knockoff. Wait, were the Beetleborgs the good guys? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they looked like Power Rangers, except they had beetle heads. So like one was a scarab, one was a, probably a cockroach, you know, Jackie and everything. Um, <laughs> In honor of Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I just thought of the first part of this wordplay, but you guys have to help me with the rest. Okay. Mighty metamorphosizing Kafka readers. I don't Beetleborgs. Know. <laughs> Man bug. Is that what you wanted? Mighty metamorphosizing. <laughs> yeah, man bug. That's pretty good. Well, it has to, has to have the same syllables as Power Rangers. Where, what about metamorphosizing? Well, that's just the, that's the book. You can put the book in. Power Gregor Samsa, but it wouldn't be alliterative. <laughs> Mighty metamorphosizing Gregor Samsa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you know when you have a cocktail, but it has no alcohol in it, you call it a mocktail? Okay. Yeah. Maybe if you're a cockroach, but you're not really a cockroach, you're a mockroach. Mockroach, okay. Okay, well, what does it mean to be a cockroach but not really a cockroach? Like you're a man, but you're a cockroach, but you're a man. But you're a cockroach. (laughs) Oh, oh, I see. (laughs) You're a mockroach. I like this. Mighty Morphin Greg or Samsa. I think it works fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Go, go, Greg or Samsa, that kind of thing. Our banter is suffering. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. This is my fault. (laughs) Who's hotter, Jackie? Nathan Fielder or... Franz Kafka. <laughs> I'm going to go with Nathan Fielder. I just watched the first episode of The Rehearsal. It was weird. Have you guys seen it yet? And you found no. him so attractive. I'm not allowed to watch it. He looks the same as he always does. Why isn't Rachel allowed to watch it? Because Steven's in New York City, and I've been for what? a few weeks now, I've been saying, oh, let's watch the first episode of The Rehearsal, and he won't do it. How did he get there without you? <laughs> Flew. Are you in New York, Theo? I don't think so. No. You didn't You didn't understand. I said, how did he get there? Because he's so bad at traveling. He managed to fly all on his own and not miss any flights. Oh. It was a direct flight leaving RDU. I am concerned about him on the way back, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think he can handle a direct flight from a small regional airport. Wait, is it that he has a problem traveling himself, or is it that you guys don't necessarily mesh with your traveling styles. He has a problem traveling with you. <laughs> he has a problem traveling with everyone. I think here's the problem. I think he's always stressed about traveling, but when he's with me, he's like, oh, our relationship is so secure. Surely it can handle me letting my emotions run free. Well, shouldn't it? Oh. And he is wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Free range emotions. I think I told you guys, I said, we might have to start traveling separately from now on. And he was like, 
why would we do that? <laughs> because you ranted about it on a podcast. That's what Will Smith and his wife do. They take separate vacations. Keeps you healthy. Yeah, Will Smith seems to be very mentally stable. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someone should travel with Steven who he feels more insecure with. I agree. So he'll rein in his behaviors. Yeah. That would be perfect for an episode of the rehearsal. <laughs> practice going through Heathrow with Nathan Fielder. <laughs> no, practice going through Heathrow with someone who you know will drop you at the first sign of trouble. <laughs> oh, nice. Whoa. Yeah. Put some skin in the game. No, I wouldn't drop him, but I, it does make me really upset <laughs> when he gets really mean <laughs> because he's stressed about traveling. It makes me mad. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> positive feedback loop. Fear begets whatever. Suffering. Suffering begets... What's his name? The Quiss Hatterack. Quissatz Hatterack. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> you know, you know Quiss Rock. <laughs> My old pal, Christopher Hatterack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. That's a joke that probably no one's going to get unless they saw Dune, watched Dune, listened to our Dune episodes, or read Dune. Oh, maybe everybody will get that joke. Unless they saw it or watched it. Yeah. For some reason, I thought of saw it as the 80s version and watched it as the recent <laughs> version. <laughs> like, because you don't really watch the 80s version. You kind of just exist while it happens to you. Because it can't go into your brain at all. You can't absorb it. You're just looking no. and it's bouncing off your eyeballs. And then it's gone. Yeah. Um. Well, Rachel, you had some funny stories to tell us, right? Or do you want to do the plot of the story first? Or No, let me do the two funny stories because I'm worried I might forget. So these are from okay. this The weekend. funniest story is about this guy, Gregor Samson. <laughs> I don't believe what he got up to. <laughs> all kinds of hijinks. Okay, so I have two. The first one is something kind of horrifying, oh, no. which is that love it. we went to like a little backyard birthday party and apparently they had a kiddie pool in the backyard for a while that had some water for in it meow, meow, meow. um for yeah for kitties yeah do you say yum 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 or meow 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 wow interesting depending on where i start that audio she could be saying either one it's true theo just looked so delighted his eyes widened <laughs> as though he had not thought of anything that exciting in years this is our best episode yet <laughs> okay so she they had this little kitty pool and it had water in it and it had had water for a little while so she just picked up the pool and dumped it into the yard and it turns out, according to Drew, this was Drew, the one who got engaged recently, there were thousands of tadpoles in that pool. Oh. She said she thinks that hundreds of frogs had laid eggs in the pool, and there were like thousands of tadpoles. Hundreds of frogs? It, it probably only had to be like two or three. Yeah. She said hundreds of frogs, thousands <laughs> of tadpoles. What? <laughs> Each frog had ten babies. <laughs> I don't know about that. So she dumped them into the grass without realizing, and then a Apparently, she, like, called a bunch of people and was freaking out. And she's like, what do I do? Should I get a cup and, like, put them in the cup or something? <laughs> they said it was probably too late. And the reason I found out is someone was, like, looking around and they're like, I don't see any dried out tadpoles in your yard. Yeah. Wait, she didn't find out there were thousands of tadpoles in it until she dumped the water out? Yeah. Why would she see them in the dirt but not in the pool? It was the grass. They were in the grass. I'm guessing there Why was maybe some, like, the dark stuff in the kiddie pool. And so they blended mm. in. Wow. Wow. That, that might be the worst thing anyone's ever done. She committed a tadpole genocide. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Seriously. She basically did. Yeah. What if one of those tadpoles was the one that was going to mutate into some sort of humanoid amphibian creature? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I, 
I'm thinking this is an origin story for these tadpoles. It's like, well, we were supposed to develop in water, but instead we developed in the earth, and now we're... Oh my gosh, evolution. Oh my gosh. It's happening. (laughs) Terrestrial birth? This is unheard of. What is terrestrial birth? (laughs) Giving birth on planet Earth. (laughs) Being born of the Earth. Birthed of the Earth. Mm. Uh, So this is the other one. So as I said, Drew got engaged, and she's a similar age to my sister, Becca, And her dad at the engagement party, he was talking to Becca, I guess. And he's like, oh, so yeah, Drew got engaged. When are you getting engaged? And she was like, no plans. And he's like, well, you know, you're getting older. And she said, you're one to talk. Who said, Emily said that? (laughs) Becca said it to the father of the future bride at the party. Because he he was like, when are you getting engaged? You're getting older. And she's like, take a look at yourself, GM. Is he single or something? No, I guess she's just saying, well, you're even older than I am. Yeah, but you can't say you're one to talk if the guy's already done the thing. (laughs) Well, it's just in response to him saying she's getting older. Mm -hmm. She said he's one to talk. Wow. I mean, you could say that to anyone, though. You know what would have been great? Mm -hmm. If she had said you're one to talk and then dumped out the kiddie pool that he was in and let him dry on the ground. Oh, I thought you meant she should throw tadpoles at him. (laughs) Punishment fits the crime. Or maybe she she could have said, you're one to talk. And then she goes down on one knee and she takes out a ring box and she gives it to him. She says, it's time. It's time. He's married. Well, you can always get married again. Yeah. No, you can't. You can never do it in the U.S. Okay, should we talk about a guy who doesn't have a girlfriend? Gregor Samsa? Yeah. (laughs) Well, he has a picture of a girl. Exactly. (laughs) That's part of the reason, yeah. (laughs) You remember, Theo, he has a picture that he cut out of a magazine? Mm Mm-hmm. Does something bad happen with a picture? Something bad happens to him. I can't wait to see what it is. Okay. We have no idea. (laughs) Well, I'm going to blitz right through because we don't need to dwell on this. Let's get back to the fun part. (laughs) We don't need to dwell on the whole purpose of the podcast. Let's remind the audience that the the metamorphosis is split into three parts. We covered part one in our last episode. So go back and listen to that if you haven't. And today we're going to cover part two and three and then we'll be done. Dunzo. Phew. Dunzo. What a relief, right? I got to say, this story does not read like the story that a hot guy wrote, Jackie. So that's one more point in my column. <laughs> For him not being hot? Yeah. Is this a zero-sum game? Like, hot or not hot? Like you win or I win? <laughs> yeah, I guess. And whoever wins, Kafka loses. So here we go. Part two. Gregor, he wakes up. And he sees that there's some food that has been set out for him, and it's milk and bread. But it turns out, like, he tries to consume it, but he just can't. Like, it tastes terrible at this point, which don't bugs like milk? Do they not? (laughs) I thought bugs liked everything. I don't know. Yeah. I thought at this, so his sister had set out a little bowl of milk for him because milk was Gregor's favorite food in his life as a man. (laughs) At this point, I thought that his sister had poisoned him because he says he drinks the milk and it tastes terrible. No, he just doesn't like milk anymore that must be it no that's not it theo that's not what it is no (laughs) so if you remember his sister is kind of like the only one who sort of cared for him and kafka in real life was very close with his sisters particularly his youngest sister so there's a sister character in here wow that's sweet also she's the only one who has a name right apart from gregor greta is the sister greta greta the ogs the ogs original g's He's reminiscing about his family and he's thinking like, oh, well, you know, I used to take care of them and what's going to happen now? And someone opens his door and then closes it. And Gregor, 
he ends up like crawling under his little couch in the room and he falls asleep and he's like, I'm going to do everything I can to not be a huge problem for my family. Wouldn't you say, Jackie? So sad. I know. It's very sad. Yeah. So the next morning, Greta opens the door and she sees that Gregor is sleeping under the little couch and she like closes the door and then she goes back in. She's like, well, crap, you haven't even eaten anything. So she brings in some like scraps of food for Gregor to eat, Mm -hmm. like kitchen scraps. And he only likes the moldy food and doesn't like the fresh food. I'm starting to doubt that Kafka knows what bugs like. Yeah. That's the thing about him. Bugs like everything. Beetles love fresh food. Maybe it's not like a literal bug. Like a metaphorical bug, you think? He's a, he's a mockroach. We covered this. <laughs> Mockroaches only like moldy food. Do you think it could be a metaphor, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, his sister's trying to take care of him, trying to feed him, but she's disgusted at the sight of him, and whenever she catches like sight of him poking she's out like, his little Ooh. head from under the couch, she freaks out, runs away, but she still brings him food, so she's, you know, she's a good person. But his mom and dad never come in. I would certainly do that. If one of my siblings turned into a bug, first of all, I wouldn't be grossed out. I would think they were cute. And second of all, (laughs) obviously I would give them food. I don't think she's a good person because she's not like death time for Gregor. (laughs) Can I just say, in the the Sarah Gailey episode, in the bonus content, when we were talking to Sarah about like their most terrific animals or something, Rachel said, I've never been afraid of any animals. And Sarah said, you don't think you'd be afraid of a T-Rex? Rachel said, well, I don't know. I've never had the opportunity to find out. Yeah. But she knows for a fact that if her sibling turned into a bug, she would not even just keep them alive, but also find them cute. You already know that. (laughs) I follow a lot of bug accounts on Twitter, and I always like the photos. But you can't imagine meeting a T-Rex? No, nobody knows how they behave. (laughs) Not like bugs? We have theories. (laughs) Okay. Theo knows how they behave. Yeah, no, he has he has <laughs> theories about it at least. I think just about any way it could have behaved would be pretty scary. No. <laughs> you don't think so? No, what if it was no. like really chubby and fluffy and stuff and it was like coming up to you and kind of chirping a little bit? I would still be frightened because I'm kind of afraid of chickens as is, but a chicken that's like twenty times taller than me, yeah. Hmm. Chickens ain't cuddly though. I oh Jackie has a rebuttal. Oh, I was just saying, no, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) He thought I was telling him to wait, but I was just sassily waving my finger. Jackie wiggled her finger at me. (laughs) It was supposed to mean that she agreed with you. (laughs) Jackie knows a cuddly chicken. Um, Actually, I do know some cuddly chickens. uh, They're few and far between. (laughs) Whatever. My point is, Rachel can't imagine that, but she can imagine and knows for a fact that her siblings would be cute as bugs. You guys watch out. My point is, Mm -hmm. if the bug was not cute, she wouldn't find it cute. If the bug was not cute, she would not find it cute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good good point, Theo. <laughs> Which is just as likely, probably more likely than if it was cute. No. What? No. <laughs> My questions while I was reading this. Some people this. don't find bugs cute. Hold on. So, wait, Jackie wants to say something before she says something. I just want to say, so you're disgusted by a human centipede, but not a human-sized centipede? Mm. Yes. A hundred percent. Gotcha there. Well, one of those things no, is natural I and one is that's I rest right. my case. deeply unnatural. Okay. Yeah, you got <laughs> no. her, Theo. Good job. <laughs> You're wrong. Check and mate. Case dismissed. <laughs> it's a mistrial. All right, Jackie, go. Well, I, what I was going to say is throughout this, because again, this was my, I never read this in school like you guys did. So I'm reading this and 
I was thinking to myself, like, my main questions, what's going to happen to Gregor? Is he going to turn back? Whatever. Is he going to live? Is he going to die? And then do they understand that he is Gregor? Because you don't necessarily know for sure. From the first part, you know that, like, he turns into a bug and they freak out and, like, the mom you know, passes out and the and the boss runs away and the dad chases him back into the room. But they never said like, oh no, Gregor, you're a bug now. Didn't they? No, they didn't. Like they were talking to him through the door. Mm. I don't think they said you're a bug now, but I think they are like, oh my gosh, Gregor, what are we going to do about him? No, they didn't say anything. Like once he comes out, there's no more dialogue between them. And then he just gets pushed back inside his room. So when part two starts, I'm like, okay, so she's feeding him. Like, does she understand this is Gregor? Or does she think, like, this is just a huge bug that ate Gregor, you know? I mean, I think if she's giving him food, she's probably, like, at least 70% sure. She does, she does, but that's... They, uh, she does know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I didn't know it, though, when I was reading it, and I was like, all right, like, mm. let's find out about this. Like, maybe they're not sure yet. If that happened in real life, and I, I opened a door that I thought was going to contain my sister, but instead it was just an enormous bug. I wouldn't think, oh, Madeline's a huge bug now. I would think, oh, that thing killed Madeline. Who's going to drink all this milk? <laughs> well, yeah. then I guess I'll just give it to this. <laughs> I'll give it to this. Madeline, I prepared your favorite meal of a basin of milk with bread in it. <laughs> I think we talked about it in our first recording of episode one. You think we talked about it? In the first recording of episode one, we said, like, why did the family assume this was him? Because we would think that the bug ate him. <laughs> oh, well, we didn't end up uh, getting that recorded. So. <laughs> but it didn't get recorded, yeah. Oh, really? But now you guys know. That was like the only thing missing, I guess, from our second <laughs> episode one. <laughs> well, I didn't know that either because I don't remember that at all. But I mean, like my point stands, right? Like, why would you just assume? I think it's a magical realism kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. They could have been a little more cool about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can tell by the eyes. The human eyes. The soulful mockroach eyes. Last time I said that on the previous recording, Rachel said the compound eyes. And this time she said the human eyes. How do you guys remember this? Do you want me to say the compound eyes? I don't know. It's just interesting. It's just interesting that you're not like a robot that's just programmed to say certain responses to things that I say. Not an NPC. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a PC. Oh my gosh. Personal computer. (laughs) Politically correct. Okay. Well, now you know. That I have at least two responses to saying you can tell by the eyes. (laughs) (laughs) They're just randomly generated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jackie, I don't know why, but that's just how the story panned out. Great book discussion. Why'd this happen? Because that's how the story goes, Jackie. (laughs) True. (laughs) All right, moving on. He's really right. Okay. Proof's in the pudding. (laughs) Gregor spends his time like eavesdropping on his family, basically. Jackie, Lord of the Rings quote? I'd be dropping no eaves, sir. Okay, there we go. Promise. Whoa, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. Now I am a robot. I just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really. Jackie, input, output, Lord of the Rings quote, please. Input Lord of the Rings quote. Yeah. <laughs> no, input any any stimulus output Lord of the Rings quote. Well, I mean the input that I the thing that I put in was literally the words Jackie, Lord of the Rings quote. And then the output okay. was a Lord of the Rings no, quote. The input was the thing before, and then you and then you said run Lord of the Rings quote dot exe and then you pressed enter. There we go. All right. We're struggling on this app. Let's do this. (laughs) What's the problem? Gregor finds out that his family still has some money saved, and he's like, great, I did a good job making money. And his family is like, well, shoot, now we all have to get jobs. 
And Gregor is a little bit worried about them because his mom has asthma and his dad's like older and not in good shape. I just don't like this is so shitty of Gregor. Like he may be a bug, but come on, like take care of your family, man. Greta has to get a job. Yeah, that's <laughs> no. Sir, he should have gone out and caught that eight a.m. train and just gone on with it. Put on his little bug suit and his little bug tie. Yeah, pull up those little bug straps. Damn, Jackie's a little capitalist over there. She really is. So he thinks about how he and his parents weren't that close, but he and Greta are close. And he wanted to like send her to music school, which, you know, Theo can appreciate. So the only thing that I find like charming and delightful in this latter half of the book is that Gregor discovers that he finds a lot of joy from like scuttling around and climbing up on furniture and like climbing on the walls and stuff. I don't think I found this charming or delightful. <laughs> <laughs> like the sister comes in to give him food and he's like, oh shit, I'm on the ceiling hanging upside down. I better be quiet and like stay still so I don't scare the shit out of her. But I think she sees him up there, right? Like, can you imagine just you know, you know, this is why I related so strongly to this. Like, you know, there's a bug in there. Yeah. And you know, you're going to try not to see it or touch it or have it see or touch you. Okay, that's me. going in there anyway. If one of my siblings was a bug, I would give them a hug. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. He secretes terrible fluids. If it was up there hanging on the ceiling upside down. I'd wait till he came down. (sighs) I don't know, Rachel. I don't know. I really like bugs. I think a lot of them are very cute. But would you think a bug the size of a twin bed was cute? Yes. She would not. Are you kidding? I've seen a lot of Ghibli movies. I think big bugs are great. She likes big bugs and she cannot lie. There we go. Mother buggers can't deny. Finally, you admit it. Whoa, did you say no other buggers? You get bugged. Yeah, I think she yeah. did. You get bugged. What what causes you to get bugged? You left that line out. This is the best wordplay I've ever heard. When a girl walks in with a little itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get bugged. <laughs> bug, 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 bug. <laughs> hey, I did a better job than you did. Come on. Really? Even white bugs got to shout. Baby got bugs. Oh my gosh. Baby got bugs. What if we get sued by Sir Mix a lot? <laughs> That's how we become famous. <laughs> okay. So so Gregor's parents don't really ever see I hope him. you understand. I'm gonna continue to interject every once in a while with a new line oh, from Theo let's ignore her so we can get through this episode. Mm-hmm. No, Theo loves this. And so Gregor's mother would like to go see him, but Greta and the dad are like, don't look at that guy. So uh, Greta, because she's like, oh, Gregor, he really likes scuttling around. She decides to take the furniture out of the room so he has more scuttling space. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's how Gregor interprets it anyway. Maybe she takes it out because she wants to like sell it or make it into firewood. Yeah, Because he's secreting so many fluids. He's not secreting <laughs> that many. But what he does still have is his picture. He has this picture of that girl that he doesn't know. Mm. So his mom and sister are taking the things out of the room and he hears the mom saying like, oh, what if it's not great that we're taking all of his stuff out? But Greta's like, no, I know it's best for him and we should take it out. But so Gregor starts to freak out about like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose every 
everything from my time as a human. What if I forget myself and blah, blah, blah. So he like climbs up and he hides the picture. He wasn't using the bed or the anything, but he wants to keep the memories at least, which I was like, oh. Yeah, Aww. he wants to remember being a human. But he does need more scuttling room. Yeah, he really does. And so he hides the photo with his bug body and he's like on the wall. And when the mom comes in and she sees him, she passes out. Oh, because he's so And cute. so Greta, like she yells at him. Because she's like, why'd you scare our mom? Why'd you make our mom pass out? Yeah, that was when I like, I mean, I definitely 99% suspected, but then I knew 100% when she was like, Gregor, yeah, why did you do that? <laughs> like, she knows it's him. <laughs> but anyway, so there's a bit of a misunderstanding. And when Gregor's dad gets back, he, he misunderstands what Greta says. And he thinks that Gregor attacked his mom. And so he like chases him around the room. But while this is happening, Gregor is like, wow, my dad getting a job has really suited him. Like, he looks a lot happier and like in better shape. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, oh, my dad taking a jog around this room is really doing him some good. <laughs> it's really doing wonders. No, he's like, wow, he's, I think he's working at a bank at the moment and uh, apparently it suits him. But everything Gregor thinks you don't really know, like, is he interpreting things the right way? Probably not. I mean, uh, he knows what his dad looks like now. If he looks like he's in better shape and like tidier. Gregor is weirdly optimistic. Like he interprets everything very optimistically. Hmm. So... Unfortunately, the dad throws an apple at Gregor and it like gets stuck in a spot in his carapace. Oh, right. Yeah, like it just crunches through his body and just gets stuck there and sits there yeah. for the whole rest of the story. And Gregor can hear his, he hears his mom, his mom like wakes up and he hears her like begging the dad to stop attacking Gregor basically. So that's the end of part two. Hilarious. Yeah. When I read the one star reviews of the story, someone said their their favorite character was the apple. Okay. Which that person needs an apple stuck in their back Whoa. so they can see what it's like. Right, Theo? You know what they say, a back for a back. Mm -hmm. Didn't Theo have this thing where he was like, <laughs> the thing that you say has to happen to you or whatever. Didn't you have a little thing you used to Nursery say about rhyme. <laughs> Like poetic uh, justice or something. Year, year is odd, wrath of God. Yeah. Wait, did I say it earlier in this episode? Punishment fits the crime? <laughs> yeah, you did say that. <laughs> but that's not what I was thinking of. If you steal Apple Jacks, you get an apple in the back. Gosh, we're really talking about how I stole Apple Jacks a lot, aren't we? <laughs> What's the first time this episode? <laughs> well, we do mention it a lot generally. Yeah. I feel like I almost never bring it up. It's usually Jackie, Apple Jack, as we call her, despite you. <laughs> now when people see me on the street, they're going to throw apples in my back. Yeah, well, you punishment fits the crime. Free apples. <laughs> Free back holes. Yeah, seriously, another breathing tube. That was just such a weird, bizarre detail that Kafka puts in there. Like, who comes up with something like that? Like, he threw an apple at him, and then it stuck in his back and just rotted, and he could feel the apple. Like, that's so horrible. Okay, so Gregor, now that he has this apple problem, Steve Jobs much? And he, like, can't move around. I guess so. <laughs> Thanks, Theo. It's more like a Steve Wozniak problem, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he can't move around very well, and his family has started leaving his bedroom door open at night so he can kind of see what's going on. But again, is it so that he can see what's going on, or is it that they're hoping he's going to leave? <gasps> I don't know, Jackie. Oh, that's a good idea. And his mom has been sewing 
lingerie for shop and Greta is studying French and shorthand because she is currently working as a sales clerk and she hopes to get promoted. Whoa. Wait, mm-hmm. is this a metaphor? Like Gregor was big government handing out welfare checks and everything and now that he can't help them anymore, yeah, everyone's pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and doing it on their own? It's a libertarian story. So actually his dad is not doing so well apparently. His uniform's getting a little dirtier <laughs> and he's staying up and muttering bad. about how sad he is. Yeah, he's really sad because he's like, I was trying to kill my son and I only managed to mortally wound him. Maim him. Yeah. And now I'm hungry. <laughs> so Gregor, so his family's been selling off some jewelry and they replace their maid with, I guess, like a cheaper maid. <laughs> with a, like a, like a Roomba. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Roombas ain't cheap. <laughs> no, it's an old lady. And he's also, he's like, oh, they, they feel kind of trapped because I'm here. And so because he's so distressed about how his family feels, he kind of stops sleeping and he stops eating and he alternates between feeling really sad and bad about not being able to help them anymore and also kind of getting angry that they're neglecting him, which they are, which to me is unacceptable. But to Jackie, she's like, no, that's totally fine and understandable. This is how Kafka <laughs> felt. Um, I'm going to cover Letter to the Father on a bonus episode. And Kafka, like, this is his feelings within his family. Like, he's guilty. He's ashamed that he can't do more, that and he mad. can't make them. Yeah, but he's also like, but you guys have unrealistic expectations of me. I'm just a bug. I can't do anything. Mm. I can't do what you want me to do. You expect me to be a human. But in fact, the expectations of Franz were like... Not that big of a deal. Didn't he work just a few hours a day and also frequently (laughs) said he didn't want to go? Yeah. Go back and listen to our Kafka episode. (laughs) But he was literature. He was literature. We'll get into it. But, you know, he what was being asked of him was not anything he felt like he could do. Yeah, you could say they're pretty reasonable expectations, but not for him. Not for a bug. Not for a bug boy. I couldn't do that. So Greta is not really taking care of Gregor anymore. But when her mom cleans Gregor's room, she kind of gets upset and is like, no, I'm the one who's supposed to look after him, which is a little bit weird. And so the new cleaning lady apparently talks to him a lot and is always trying to see him and like sneak into his room and stuff. And then Gregor gets sick of it and he like goes to attack her, but she like uses a chair to fend him off and then he backs off. And the family also, to make extra money, they take in three male boarders and they like are gonna share one of the spare rooms and the men they just don't like when things are untidy so the family puts a lot of the furniture and cleaning supplies into Gregor's empty room now he has no room to scuttle but he actually loves he loves crawling around in clutter but it is exhausting for him but he really likes it Hmm. you know you win some you lose some (laughs) okay Is he becoming more bug-like and less human-like as things go on, like, in his thoughts and his behaviors as well? Like, because before he had been, like, you know, trying to stand up and talk and, like, walk on his hind legs. And now he's, like, you know, he's kind of losing more and more of himself every day, right? It sounds like he's just giving in to it. Yeah. He's giving in. Yeah. Maybe he's just being realistic. Perhaps that's the most human thing of all. Wow, that's a... Yeah, right. Is it that his brain is actually... Changing to be a bug brain, or is he just like, the world I knew is not for me anymore. I will change my ways to be more buggy. I am become bug. Oh gosh, but what does that mean then? If someone's depressed and they're like, well, what if this is depression? And you're like, well, what if your thoughts are just true? You never know. Sometimes when you're depressed, you like to scuttle around through clutter, and that's just how it is. (laughs) (laughs) The names of those three borders, pestilence, 
filth and plague. Wow. Wow. No, that they didn't have names. So metaphorical. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the one night, the, the cleaning lady accidentally leaves his bedroom door open while the boarders are there. And Gregor sees the boarders having dinner and that they're being picky about their food. Ugh. And he's kind of annoyed by that. And he also hears, um, so Greta is playing the violin. So the family, they're like hanging out with the boarders in the parlor. And um, when Gregor hears the violin, he's like, he's interested and he kind of creeps out to get closer and he thinks. Poor Gregor, this made me so sad. He's like, I want to hear Greta playing. Like, she's so yeah. beautiful on the violin. I was going to send her to music school. So he, yeah. he just wants to creep out and see her. He doesn't want to <laughs> cause problems. He doesn't want to scare the boarders away. He just wants to creep out. He wants to hear the music. Well, that was his first issue is he decided to creep out and see her. If he had just <laughs> walked out. Well, he can't just stroll on out of there. <laughs> no, because of course, the boarders don't know that there's an enormous human-sized bug living in the house, you know? Right. Well, creeping is creepy. That's the problem. <laughs> How do they all keep the secret? Like the maids that the maid that left, the new maid that comes in. It's the magical cook, realism. Like, <laughs> come on, Rachel. I'm trying to make a conversation happen here. <laughs> that's I'm serious. I'm trying to give a real answer. That's what I think it is. Yeah, well Do you what do you think? That they're just like, no one would believe me. Or just like it's not that interesting. I don't know. It's a comedy podcast. <laughs> Well, too bad. Sometimes they're going to get real literary answers. Like, I'm just thinking everybody leaves the house and they're just like, yeah, we're just not going to talk about what's going on in there. I feel like that would be the talk of the town. If I heard about it, yeah, I would talk about it to other people. Rachel would think, let me go hug that guy. Yeah, I'd give him a hug. It doesn't sound like they're trying to come up with any solutions. Nope, not at all. I don't think there are any solutions. Like any sort of anti-bugging spray or something like that. Wouldn't you think of a solution if Seth turned into a bug, Theo? Wouldn't you be like, well, what caused this? Let's reverse it. Yeah, I can think of plenty of solutions. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Tell us some. It's like you can try different things, right? Like you can try Tai Chi or yoga, but please don't lose that bug. Mm-hmm. But please don't lose that. Uh... Don't lose the bug. Yep. Another Sir Mix a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said he loves us, Jackie. <laughs> Keep him coming, Jack. <laughs> Okay, guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you're enjoying this episode, you might like our other episodes, in which case you might be inclined to pay for them. We have a <laughs> Patreon at patreon.com slash firethecanon. And if you want a little more bonus content, you can do the $3 a month tier or a higher amount, and you get access to all of our bonus episodes. That includes, there's a quiz that I gave Jackie and Rachel. <laughs> I bring it up every there's time. There's a surprise winner. <laughs> Wait, I do want to say, in that quiz episode, it contains the instance of the podcast where I laughed the hardest. Whoa. And yeah, I don't even necessarily know that we brought it up, but listening to it again, I, I just cried all over again. It is very funny. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Law and order. Dun, dun. <laughs> Okay, um, so these are the bonus episodes you may want to listen to, and they're all $3 a month tier on Patreon. <laughs> what we really like also is if you do a rating and review on Apple Podcasts that helps us make our way up the ladder. Also Spotify. Yeah. True. It's kind of a showstopper. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're the kind of person who murders thousands of tadpoles in a single swoop, then maybe we don't want your money. <laughs> no, we do. Drew, you can also become a patron. <laughs> you may not be on the on the good list this year, but you can be our patron. We will accept that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're much less discriminating than Santa Claus. Hundreds of frog mothers are crying tonight <laughs> because of <laughs> hundreds of frogs. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Or, no, back to the episode, back, everyone. Yeah, back to the episode, everyone. <laughs> Okay, so Gregor's like, oh, I wish I could tell Greta about how I wanted to send her to violin school. But anyway, so the boarders, they all see Gregor and they're like, oh my gosh. And then the dad is like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. But the boarders say, well, we're not going to pay rent. This is gross. We're leaving. And they threaten to move out. Yeah, we're not paying to live in a nasty place. Like, yeah. And you know what I always say? If you see one, there's thousands more. So, like, how many more <laughs> of these bed-sized bugs are there? That's the thing. If you see a human-sized bug, my response wouldn't be like, you must not be cleaning this place very well. I'm, I'm not paying rent. <laughs> <laughs> or it probably would be, hey, did you know every bed-sized bug is within two centimeters of where it was born or something? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. I did hear that, like, 96% of millennials live within 100 miles of where they grew up. Uh-oh. Did you know that? How much is 100 miles? 100. <laughs> and feet, so I can understand it better. Are you going to figure it out? 5,286 times 100. Yeah, good luck, Jackie. So 500,000. 528,000. <laughs> Feet. Okay. Did I get that right? No, I can't actually picture it. Let's take cities we know. Raleigh to Durham, how many miles? Cincinnati, where I grew up, to where I grew up is 500 miles, so it's like a fifth of that. Whoa, you're hurting our average, Jack. So am I. I live more than 100 miles from where I grew up, and so do you. Barely. Barely. Oh. Yeah. Don't I live like 200 miles? <laughs> you do not live 200. It's 180 miles. Okay. So, hmm. 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 Gotcha. Guess it's not 200. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm the winner. <laughs> oh, really? I could easily make it 200 if I just meandered for an extra 14 oh. <laughs> or whatever, 25. It, it varies depending on the route. Okay. So anyway, so Greta at this point is telling her parents, we have to stop thinking of this bug as Gregor because like he's not the same anymore. Where did she come up with that? <sighs> yeah. Why is she turning on him all of a sudden? Because she's like, we're going to lose some money. I don't know. It's unrealistic. The girls got problems. We're going to lose all their money, all their their livelihood. No, not all of it. Just the three guys. Just the three guys. That's like a huge chunk of money. That's like how they're basically surviving. Well, they also have three jobs. <laughs> Well, clearly it's not enough. Yeah. I think it is. Okay, so the dad the dad is like, oh, I wish we could just tell Gregor that we need him to leave and explain. And Greta's like, listen, if Gregor was able to understand us, he would have left a long time ago so Ooh. that he wouldn't cause Aww. us this pain. And Gregor is like really sad about that. And so he scurries back to his room and then he's thinking like all night he's just standing there not moving at all and just thinking to himself that I've got to go away so that my family won't suffer anymore and then he dies the next morning and when the cleaning lady comes in she finds his body and the family they look at his bug corpse and they're like damn this thing is basically flat like I can't believe how skinny he was he must not have been eating which like yeah he wasn't eating for a really long time and the dad um picks up the apple takes a bite out of it. Yeah. I've been looking for this. I've been Ugh. looking for this. But <laughs> so kind of they, what killed him. It's just he kept getting more and more injured and sick and... Starving to death. The apple festered and he wasn't eating. It's just terrible. He stopped sleeping. But anyway, so the dad kicks the boarders out and the family is like, let's take the day off work to celebrate. Ooh. And the cleaning lady's like, oh, I got rid of the body, by the way, but the family's not interested. And the dad's like, I'm going to fire her. <laughs> 
So Greta and the parents are like gonna go have a picnic in the country or something. And while they're traveling, they're like, oh, let's talk about our money. We've got more money than we thought that we did. Let's actually move to a slightly smaller apartment in an even better location and then we can save some money. And the parents, as the story ends, basically the parents are looking at Greta and they're like, she's looking pretty good. I bet she can get a great husband. Mm. And then they arrive at their stop and that's the end. Cool. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful story. (laughs) What do you guys think? (laughs) They just look at their kids as commodities, right? Once they're no longer being productive. I mean, that's what it seems like. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a few, obviously a few theories about this. There's theories about it being about, you know, capitalism. And then obviously Mm, Nabokov was like, no, it's about the artist and how people won't just let artists do what we've got to (laughs) do. I feel like that also comes down to capitalism at the end. Yeah. Mm. And also there's another thing that the metamorphosis is talking about a transformation metamorphosis from a girl to a woman or from like a nice person to a callous person a practical person yeah <laughs> yeah so but i mean it's also kind of like i know maybe he wasn't thinking of this but i kind of think like all right maybe there's parallels to like when someone is like very very ill or like maybe they yeah are disability. like in the late stages of dementia or something yeah and it's like well look this isn't a person anymore like they can't understand us let's just get rid of them right like you don't treat them as a person anymore yeah at a certain point yeah if you're not that great of a person <laughs> that's the fear that a lot of people have when they you know if someone ha- gets a cancer diagnosis or you know if they have a disability that's something that you worry about all the time like this is you know a lot of people's worst case scenario of what they imagine could happen to them this overshadows my personhood And Kafka had a lot of health anxiety. But I mean, that doesn't mean I like reading it. (laughs) No. And that's the thing. Like uh, all of the one star reviews that I read, it's like they all hate this, but for stupid reasons. And I'm like, well, no, I don't hate it. And I think it's like someone actually Jack Morgan um, was texting me was like, do you recommend reading The Metamorphosis? And I was like, wait till our next episode. I don't talk about anything except through podcasts. Um, (laughs) No, but I did say like, I mean, maybe it's just the translation that I have, but I don't necessarily think the prose didn't blow my mind, which again, I know I'm not reading it in the original German. Mm -hmm. So, So it wasn't really, it's not like the prose is his strength. I think his strength, almost sort of like Dostoevsky, is like the inner thoughts and the psychological back and forth and just the introspection and the richness of that character of Gregor. Mm -hmm. Mm. You're so in his head because Kafka was so in his head that you really don't know what any of the rest of them are thinking. Uh, He does that really well. Yeah. And he was hot. He was not hot. I need to talk to someone who finds this story humorous because I've got to give him a bit of a shake. I don't know how you could find parts two and three to be that humorous it's very tragic to me the whole thing except when he's having a fun time scuttling yeah the saddest part is when you know greta says if he understood us he would have left a long time ago like yeah yeah he wasn't wanted the whole time she's yeah she's not that nice at the end the apple like stuck in his back has haunted me since I was probably, you know, since I read it when I was 12 or whatever, it was such a horrifying bit of imagery. Yeah, yeah I know. It's really, really weirdly specifically horrific. Sorry, what, Theo, what you were saying? I recalled everything you guys were talking about mm-hmm. from when I read it in high school. I recalled all of it except for the end when there's no more Gregor. Like, I feel like my brain was like, as soon as there's not 
a horrifying bug monster. It was like, this is boring now. Story over. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a paragraph. It like hardly lasted any time. Oh, okay. Theo just closed it. Closed the the story. (laughs) Yeah, I just did a scan for bug. No. What do you think the significance or what do people think the significance of the cleaning lady was at the end? Because it's like, on the one hand, you almost got the sense that like she was more comfortable with him. She was more comfortable with him, you know, maybe because she like came from a place where there were more bugs or something. That (laughs) comfort with him wasn't portrayed as a good thing, right? Like it made her in a way extra callous. She was fascinated by him. She was fascinated by him, but not the way I think most people would be. I don't know. None of them have a normal reaction, I guess. She's just very much like, well, there's a big bug here, whatever. I'm not afraid of this bug. I'm not grossed out. I'm just curious, <laughs> which maybe that's what Theo would do. But what's the significance of that? Is it, I mean, I would not be surprised if Kafka had kind of a weird uh, perspective on like the lower classes. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's like, you know, these kind of people, they're not even freaked out by bugs. They're just totally practical because that's how they're raised and they just deal with things. So, no, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, he wasn't super high class, though. He was middle class, though. There's a very big difference between a family that hires maids and a family that mm-hmm. is supported is by a, a mom who's a maid. Yeah. Yeah. There is a big difference. Yeah. I don't know that there's a lot of evidence that he had weird ideas about the poor, though. I don't know. I didn't say weird ideas about the poor, but it was very common for someone who comes from, like, an educated family, especially at that time, to kind of have a weird idea of what people who weren't educated and who just did, like, physical labor, what they were like. He hated education, though. He didn't like any part of it. Well, he didn't have to get it. (laughs) He kind of did have to. (laughs) Should turn into a bug or something. (laughs) Well, there's something... uh, So, speaking of Kafka, there was something that... um, did not make it into our Kafka biography episode, but relates to the metamorphosis. So I was going to talk about that really briefly. And that's why I was saying, like, I feel like he he definitely wrote himself into that character. This was, again, from the uh, Kafka, The Decisive Years by Reiner Stock. And he tells um, this anecdote that someone who knew him had, which was Frederick Theberger, a high school teacher in Prague who at one point was Kafka's Hebrew instructor, remembered this. So this was late 1915, right after The Metamorphosis was published. He was standing with his father, Friedrich was standing with his father in front of his house, and he saw Kafka came by when he was walking home, and the guy's dad had just read The Metamorphosis. And he says, usually, like, if anybody discussed his work with him, Kafka would just, like, give this kind of awkward smile. But this time he allowed the guy's dad to actually say a few words to him about like the transformation of a human into a bug. Then Kafka took a step back and said with unsettling gravity while shaking his head as though he were discussing a real occurrence, quote, that was a dreadful thing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that such a weird thing to do? It is. But here's what I was thinking. Is that Theeburger would it be a really good nickname for Theo? I thought that too. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't called himself that yet. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't normally go for the burger. Fee chicken sandwich. Fee hot dog. Yeah. Okay. We'll consider calling you Fee hot dog, I guess. Or maybe just Fee dog. So, anyway, um, are there other examples of people like not being able to separate themselves from the fictional worlds they created? Like, he thought that was a real thing that he went through. Mm. For him, it was real. I, I don't know. I mean, that story is like, do you think that's really an indication that he actually thought it was real? Or He might have been trolling. Yeah. He, or he maybe he's just is weird. 
Um, yeah, he's definitely weird. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I could read you the whole chapter. That's one anecdote out of many, but there's definitely a lot to point to the fact that he really did not seem super able to separate himself from his character sometimes. It seemed like it took him a while to like come back to the world after writing that. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I yeah. could see if the story was like, somebody was like, gosh, I hate bugs. And he was like, you know, I was a bug once. I could see that. <laughs> yeah, that would be super strong evidence. Are you just saying that you don't see an indication that he was acting like it was something that happened to him? Is that what you're saying? He's saying the, those four words or that, or those five words, that was a dreadful thing, isn't enough evidence to show that he thought it happened. I'm not saying he literally thought it happened to him. It's like from someone else's perspective of how Kafka was acting. It could so easily be sort of misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Those words, just like the tone. Like they just thought he was a freak, but maybe he was being totally normal. (laughs) I mean, they were talking about transforming into a bug and he said that was a dreadful thing. So I don't know how to misinterpret. Maybe he just meant, yeah, it was a dreadful thing in the story. (laughs) But he looked deeply unsettled. (laughs) He wrote an unsettling story. (laughs) Think about all the times we say things that we didn't really intend to come out that way. Maybe that's all that happened. Maybe he meant to say, I wrote a dreadful story. Yeah. (laughs) But instead he was just like, that was a dreadful Thing. thing. And then he looked really unsettled because he messed up. I think we can assume that this anecdote probably involved him meaning to say com- something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't believe how many anecdotes are like that. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's wrap this up. Well, well, are we going to fire it? Uh, we always forget to mm, fire it. Does this need to be taught? I don't know, man. Here's the thing. I really don't like it. I do think it's a very good story. To me, it's the best as a story about like illness or disability more so than just like, oh, artists, we have it so hard. Our families always want us to have jobs. Mm. Like to me, that's not as rich of a metaphor. (laughs) I mean, his complaints and his thoughts were, I mean, they're not always really valid. Like he definitely had problems with a lot of things that most people don't have problems with and probably shouldn't have problems with. I don't really feel like it's his fault. Kafka or Gregor? Kafka. I think that <laughs> Gregor, everyone else would have a totally fine time being <laughs> totally a bug. fine time with a rotten apple in your back. <laughs> it's like nobody else complains about being a bug. <laughs> he needs yeah. to get over it. Gosh. <laughs> it's just capitalism. <laughs> if I'm thinking realistically, I agree with Rachel. It's it would be great as a metaphor for disability or anything else that kind of others you to people in a way that changes you. But if I'm being realistic, I kind of believe that the story, that he intended the story to be more about like his feelings of not being like good enough for his family. And part of that is being an artist and not wanting to be involved in the business. Yeah. He wrote it as a very personal story is what you're saying. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm saying, okay, cool. But to me, more value if it's supposed to be in the can and I think there's more value in people thinking about it as like a you know disability metaphor I agree so I don't know should it be in the canon or not it disturbed all three of us and we don't like it like if you accidentally wrote a story with a great metaphor but you didn't intend it to be that metaphor you just intended it to be like you bitching about your own family dynamics <laughs> like Ross said you know maybe subconsciously you you were smarter than that <laughs> I don't think that he meant for it to only be about his own family I think he was like well here's a kernel but I bet I could build upon that and build out so that it 
is applicable to other situations. Yeah, that's that's another thing I think about this in addition to like the introspection and the, the characterization. I think that you could put almost anything onto this. Like it's such a weird specific situation, but there's a lot of different possible metaphors. Yeah, I, and I guess I do think it's good, but in terms of enjoyment, like one star, actually. It makes me so sad. Should we just fire it so nobody else has to be sad? <sighs> or what? Theo, well, you like it because of the bug situation. I do. Because it inspired the beetle bugs. Bug, Bugglebees? Beetleborgs. 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 <laughs> you, know, you know, we could fire this and then someone else now could write another story about a bug. Oh, that's what he always thinks. Someone else can write a better story. <laughs> it does have to be about a bug. <laughs> it doesn't have to be body horror. It could just yeah. be any old bug. Like body enjoyment. Like, oh, I love being a bug. But we talked about Lovecraft, and Lovecraft stories are equally, if not more, scary, disturbing, disgusting, etc., but nowhere near as depressing, you know? Correct. Because he's such mm. a racist. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> like, to me, it's why. I don't care as much. <laughs> well, if you didn't know that about him and you just read his stories, I don't think they would make you feel this sad. He's more spooky. But also, a lot of times his protagonist is a racist. Yeah. So I'm not as sad when they go mad because of the knowledge of Cthulhu. Well, even in just that story we talked about with Ruthanna Emrys, like, again, I don't think it's a stretch to say that you, like, could read that and not realize, like, that there's any hint of racism. I'm just saying, there are some stories where it does it doesn't have to be Lovecraft. It could be anything. Like there's plenty of stories where like there's body horror and something sad and bad happens, and we don't feel like we have to thrust it from the canon because it's so depressing. But this like feels uniquely disturbing and dissettling, unsettling. Mm. Yeah, I think it is. So I mean, in that case, is are you saying we should keep it or we shouldn't keep it because it's uniquely unsettling? I don't know. I guess I haven't decided. Uh, don't you think some people would say that's its value? Is that it's uniquely unsettling? That's what I I'm wondering. It's like, yeah. It's extremely unsettling. He really did a good job of that. Uh, here's the deal. Let's make a deal. We can leave it in the canon, but it needs to be stricken from my memory. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, That's let's. Fine so me. then we'll leave it. Fizzling out sound. Insert here, Theo. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, here's the sound effect. Now, Rachel, you have to say something that proves you forgot it. What were we just talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I also would have accepted forgot what? We would like to make a little announcement, which is that the next book we're going to be covering is from the, you know, normal list of summer reading books because it's the summer right now. And we will be reading The Great Gatsby. <gasps> Say what? Another lighthearted, uplifting tale. <laughs> I feel like we kind of procrastinated on our summer reading. School's about to start. We really left it to the last minute. <laughs> As of recording right now, it's July 31st, so... Mm -hmm. um, you know what happens in the next few weeks, guys. School's getting ready to start back up. Gotta go pick out a backpack. Buy your pencils. Lisa Frank, Trapper Keeper. Oh, God. I never got one. <laughs> no, I did. I think I might have gotten a I never one, got one or either. two as a kid. But did I? Maybe I got a knockoff. I don't, I don't know. know. And if anyone needs help purchasing school supplies... Ask your mom. <laughs> Ask their mom or Theo's mom. I was hoping one of you would take the opportunity to be generous, but it didn't seem like you oh. You wanted to jump in. Dang, Theo set us up. <laughs> but we, we put a poll on Patreon and we asked our patrons, what would you like us to cover from like a list of, you know, maybe 
what was it, like four common summer reading assigned books and uh, The Great Gatsby won. So. so that's what we're doing. And so the next episode you hear will be us talking about the life of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Ooh. And the episode after that, we'll figure out what's so great about this Gatsby fellow, mm. if anything. It's because he lives in a town called Egg. Yes, that's that's the whole book. Why is this guy so great? I wish I wish he would have just called it A Town Called Egg. <laughs> well, I think the problem is there are two egg towns. Ah, A Tale of Two Eggs. Okay. A Tale of Two Eggs, no? Well, that's no? that. <laughs> We've got to stop reading depressing things, but it's so famous we had Sorry, to. that's the canon. We just had to, I know. <sighs> we need to read something silly next, like Moby Dick. Okay, well, the other choice that almost won was Lord of the Flies, and that wasn't going to be any better. So That one's a little bit silly. It's silly because it's like, come on. I don't know. It involves a lot of child murder. <laughs> the children are the murderers, though, so it's okay. It cancels it out. <laughs> yeah, what about child-on-child child crime? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about that. <laughs> okay, Theo really likes that joke. <laughs> I did like that. Well, we'll talk about that type of crime later on. But next <laughs> next up is The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby is white on white crime. Spoilers. Whoa. So get excited for that. And um, if you want to follow us, Jackie, tell them how to do it. You can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at FireTheCanonPod. Our website is www.FireTheCanonPod.com. On Facebook, we are Fire the Cannon Podcast, And our email address is FireTheCanonPodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash FireTheCanon, where you can sign up for our different rewards tiers. $3 or more a month gets you access to all of our bonus episodes and uh, also some other cool stuff. Check it out. Check it out. And as always, we haven't said this in a while, but just in case you've been frantically typing in things spelled wrong for the last like 40 episodes, Canon is spelled C-A-N-O-N. Duh. Doi. Doi. It's a doi. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Did we fire it? Yep. No. No, we did. Fire what? <laughs> yeah, fire what? <laughs> there you go, Rachel. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>